Good evening. I hope you're all doing well. Today we're learning Maseches Bava Kama Daf Memches. Please excuse my altered voice. Um, it's not computerized, just what it is. Um, and I'm hoping to to nurse the throat over the course of the next half hour or so, so we can learn a little Torah together. Please excuse my absence the last couple of days. Today we're picking up on Memches Medalev about one third of the way down, jumping into more cases. Um, where we are trying to see culpability and responsibility for damages that take place. The Gemara starts at the two dots. There was a woman that went to go be mepa, that's from the word ofet, to bake. She went to go bake, bake at her friend's house. So let's say Rachel went to go bake at Penina's house. While Rachel was at Penina's house, Asabarcha, a goat that belonged to Penina, Demari Base, Demari de Besa, that was owned by the master of the house. Achla so Penina's goat ate Rachel's chalado. Chavil, his body overheated, and the meast and the animal died. So we want to know who is going to be held responsible. Does Rachel, who's a guest in the home, have some degree of responsibility for the death of this goat who consumed Rachel's? Chaladon, uh, yes or no, says the Gemara, Chayva Rava Lishlume Deme Barcha. Rava says that Rachel is obligated to, to pay the value of the goat that died from consuming Rachel's Chaladon. Lema, perhaps we should say that Pliga Adira, perhaps this statement of the Gemara, this little story, argues with the Shita of Rav. To Omar Rav, Rav says, Hav Yala as on the previous couple of blot, we've seen this idea that really the animal shouldn't have eaten as much as it ate. That's not Rachel's fault. And perhaps, therefore, this story on this page over here about the goat eating Rachel's chalado in Penina's house is not uh, the same as Rav, because Rav seemed to place the burden on the animal itself, that the animal ate an abnormal amount of chalado. So says the Gemara, Amar Hachi Amre, they responded, Hachi Hashta. You can't even compare the two cases because Hasam Shus, when Rav was discussing his case, that was dealing with a scenario of Shalobir Shus, when the food that I brought to that animal was Shalobir Shus. And then Lo Kabilale, uh, because it was Lo Kabilale Nitirusa, because I was there with no Rishus, I had no Achrayas at all. But Hacha Birshus, over here, when there is Rishos, namely Penina welcomed Rachel into her home, therefore Rachel did accept a degree of responsibility in regards to what the animal would have consumed. And therefore Rachel, according to Rava, is held accountable, and there is no machlokas between Rava and Rav. Both cases are clean. The Gemara says halfway down, wait one second. We have another case that may not stem perfectly with what we've just learned. Says the Gemara, Umaishna, why is what we've learned any different than the following case? That there's a particular woman who went to go grind wheat. She goes into someone's house uh, to grind her wheat, but she does so without permission. The animal ate it and got injured. Potter. But if it got damaged, if it damaged, then it's going to be chayeves. So the Gemara makes a deal from this case, Taima. The reason why this is true is Shalom Birshus. But what's implied from here is how Birshus, had it been that she was on that property with permission, then Petura, and she'd be Potter.
But that's exactly the opposite of what we learned in the case that we started with. In the case that we started with, we learned <clears throat> we learned that if a woman, if Rachel had permission to be on Penina's property, she had Rishus, that's when she's Chayeves. So we see a seeming stira between the cases. The Gemara responds, Amre, there's a difference, shockingly, in regards to the tznias of the activities of grinding wheat and the tznias of the activity of making challah. This is what the Gemara explains as follows. Amrim, when it comes to grinding wheat, because there isn't anything exceptional that she has to do in order to do this activity. She doesn't have to reveal any parts of her body. So therefore, there's no reason for the owner to leave his house. He doesn't have to leave that room when a woman is grinding. Uh, when a woman is grinding flour, there's no lack of tzniyas. And therefore, and therefore, when the husband is around, <clears throat> he's the one who's watching the animal. And that's why there's no problem with the case of uh, being tochein, because even though it was shalom b'rshus, but lemaisa, because the husband didn't have to leave when Rachel was visiting, because there's no lack of tzniyas in grinding, and grinding flour. So therefore, the uh, burden of responsibility is on the Baal and not on the Isha. But when it comes to kneading dough, because it does cause for a difference in how she covers herself. Seemingly, it was the case that a woman would roll up her sleeves uh, past the point of, of halachic acceptance. Let's call it loosely the elbow. The big discussion in Poskim, what that means. Uh, the yeshiva community typically assumes that the whole elbow should be covered. So under those circumstances, because that's a tzniyas issue, so therefore, therefore, the master of the home, <clears throat> the master of the home has to leave. And therefore, because he left, it's now her responsibility to make sure that the animal doesn't eat anything. And therefore, she, Rachel, will then have to take responsibility. And therefore, if the animal eats too much, he will then be on the hook for responsibility if anything happens to him. That brings us to the two dots, two-thirds of the way down. Our Mishnah, which can be found on the bottom of... Um, which Mishnah is this? Our Mishnah, which is on the bottom of Membav Amid Aleph, that wraps around to the top of uh, Membav Amid Bez. Oh, sorry. On the bottom of Memzayin Amid Aleph, that wraps to the top of Memzayin Amid Bez. So that Mishnah has a quote over here that says, Ichni that if I bring my shore into your house, oh my Rabbah, we're going to learn a number of scenarios. Here's scenario number one of Rabbah. Rabbah says as follows. Let's say that I bring my animal into your rishu, into your house, but without permission. And my animal loves digging. And it digs a huge pit in your yard. So, Bala Shor, I, the person who owns the Shor, I am going to be held accountable for any and all of the physical damages that occur to the ground itself. So if my animal digs and causes $1,000 in damage to your garden, so then you can send me a bill for $1,000. However, concludes the first case, but the owner of the Chatzar, is held accountable for anyone who subsequently gets hurt in the pit that my animal dug. 
So we've created a line in the sand. If my animal digs, I owe you money. But if somebody dies in the pit that's in your field, that my animal dug, you're held accountable. So we split the achrayas. And says the Gemara that Afal Gav, that even though in general we hold, excuse me, that the only time a boar is considered a boar is when a man digs it, but not when a shore digs it. Aha, that's only true in certain cases. You, once you saw that there was a hole in your yard, you shouldn't have let anyone come into your yard without filling up that bore. And because you had the opportunity to do so, and you didn't, so therefore you're held accountable. Therefore, it's as though you dug the bore yourself. Fascinating halachic extension. Let's review. I'm moving your shimon. My animal goes into Shimon, into your field, and digs a huge hole. Allah Lamaisa, I owe you, Shimon, the money for the damage in your yard. The next day, Shimon invites over Levi. And Levi, with his shore, comes over, and somebody falls in and gets hurt. Allah Lamaisa, you, Shimon, are held accountable for the animal that Ruvain, uh, that belongs to Ruvain, that that animal dug. Because you should have filled it up, you should have known better. The next case of Rava, about 15 lines or so from the bottom. <clears throat> Again, my animal goes into your field, into your chatzar, with no permission. Either the animal hurts the balabais, or the balabais is hurt by the animal. I'm held accountable for that. Ravat. Typically, we translate the word ravats as crouching. We'll see if that stands the test of the Gemara. If an animal crouches and causes damage, putter. Says the Gemara, what are you talking about? <laughs> Just because an animal crouches, they're putter. That's not true. So therefore, the Gemara pivots and says, you're right. Amar of Papa, my ravats. What does it mean in this case, in this memra of rava, when it says ravats? It doesn't mean regular crouching. It means instead, Shahir beats Yilalim, that the animal defecated and went to the bathroom. And in the process of the animal defecating, it fell onto your kalim, the, the feces, and it, and it stained and dirtied your kalim. So in such a case, to have Yilalim bore, in that case, the Yilalim, the droppings were considered like a bore. And we don't have a case scenario where a boar damages Kalim and there's culpability in such a case. So therefore, we would say that the person is going to be completely putter in that case. And that's what Ravats means over here. Not that the animal crouched, but rather that the animal's droppings caused uh, dirtying or damage to Kalim. But because the Galadim were a boar and the, and the damage was considered to be to Kalim, so therefore the person is putter. That's what the Gemara says. But seven lines from the bottom, the Gemara raises a challenge. This makes sense according to Shmuel, the Amar Kol Takala Borhu, who says that every Takala, everything that is in a Rishus Harabim, everything and anything can be begeder a bor. However, last short line, but according to Rab, who says that the only time something can be a bor 
is if the owner was mafkir that item by Kalameimar. How can you say that that would be the case over here? Who says that the owner would be mafkir the galalim? Perhaps he wants them for manure for his field. It's a perfect circle of life. He has animals, the animals graze, the animals consume, they go to the bathroom. He takes the galalim and he uses it to help grow more uh, more feed. So who says he's going to be mafkir it? First of the long lines on Memchas and Muralef, the Gemara says, in general, that's our halachic assumption that we assume, <clears throat> sorry for the voice, that we assume, in fact, that the owner is going to be mafkir, the galalim, going to be mafkir, the feces. And that brings us to yet another case. Let's say that I, as a person, walk into your field, not my animal. I walk into your field without permission. And the hizik as balabais, and I either hurt you, or balabais huzakbo, or you're, you bump into me and therefore you got hurt, says the Gemara, Kaiv. Um, in either case, if I cause damage to you directly, or if you bump into me without seeing me, I am held accountable for that because I'm in your field without rishus. However, hiziko balabais pater. If you, Shimon, hurt me, Ruvain, you're still, what's the din there? The halacha is that you're going to be putter. It says the Gemara, Amara, Papa, when do we say that you, Shimon, are putter from damaging me, Ruvain, when I break into your yard? It says the Gemara, Lo Amara, The only time Shimon's putter from hurting me, Ruvain, when I invade your privacy, when I walk into your field, is if you didn't know about me. Ava, Ava Yodabe. But if you knew I was there, then he's Ikubalabayist Chayyim. Then, Shimon, if you hurt me in your property, you would be held accountable. My time, Mom. What would be the reason for this? After all, I broke into your property. So why wouldn't Halacha say that Shimon should be putter against me no matter what happens? So says the Gemara, a beautiful svar. Simple, but beautiful. Says the Gemara, my time, Mom. Why would we say the Bailam are chayv under those circumstances if they know that I'm there? Because, Mishum to Amar Leib, I, the person who broke into your yard, can say, you have every right to kick me out of your property, but but you have no permission to hurt me in order to get me off your property. That's not allowed. That's what the Gemara says. And they go according to their own reasonings. Turning to the top of Memches and the Bays, and we'll be going to the Mishnah, four lines from the bottom of the page. <clears throat> Where do we see a raya for their shitas? So says the Gemara. Let's say that you have two people. Both of them are allowed to be where they are. Or both of them are not allowed to be where they are. Wherever they are, they're on level playing fields. Not allowed or allowed. So the halacha is, that if they hurt each other, they're chayim. But if they accidentally bump into each other, their potter, that if you're allowed to be there, you're potter. If you're not allowed to be there, you're chayev. And the Rishonim you explain, unless the person knows about you. And that's really what's missing from the Gemara that the Rishonim explain. That therefore, we have a raya for Rav and Rav Papa. That brings us to the two dots. Going to the next part of the Mishnah, which is on the top of Memzayin Amid Beis. 
The Gemara says five lines down in Memches and Mabes, Nafal Libor, if an animal falls into a boar, Behibish Memov, and right when my animal falls in, it instantly ruins your water. Alacha is Chayev. When do we say this is true? If the water gets ruined instantly with the falling in of the boar. But if the water is still fine for 10, 20, 30 minutes, and only at a later point is it putrefy. And the Gemara says, Why is this true? Because look at how the Gemara looks at this case. Have shore boar. The shore that's floating in your water is viewed as a halachic boar. Umayim kalim. The water inside that boar is viewed like kalim. And as we saw on the previous page, a boar that causes damage to kalim, your potter. So because the shore is the boar, and because the mayim is the kalim, so therefore you're completely potter. Says the Gemara, as it did in the previous sample, I could understand that according to Shmuel, who says that every item in theory could be together, bore, as long as it's in a public space. But according to Rav, who says that a bore can only be created by being mafki or something, so then how would you explain this case? The Gemara doesn't have a response and therefore gives another version of Rava's comment. If you look at the two dots right where we started, Six lines from the top, you see Rava number one. And now 12 lines down, we see Ali Itmar, Hachi Itmar. If Rava said anything about this, here is what he said. When do we say the din of our Mishnah that Yechayim? That's if the body of the animal was filthy, dirty. It was covered in dung and gross things. And the second it landed in the water, it is going to be Chayim because it ruined the water right away. But if the animal wasn't sullied at all, and the reason why the waters were ruined was not because of anything on the goof per se, but that the body started to decompose and it smelled bad, their smell alone is not enough of a reason to be high. Potter, my time on, because grama be'almahu, it's considered to be an indirect damage. And therefore, the grama be'alma lo mechayim. So that also is a very clean case. And uh, according to this second version of Rava, we would assume that only if the animal was sullied itself and it ruined the water instantly upon entering the water, that's when it would be problematic. But if there was a delay and only the odor of the animal was the problem, we would therefore assume that you're putter because of Grama Benizak and putter. That brings us to the two dots um, about a third of the way down on Memches and Bays. Let's continue. The Gemara says, based on the Mishnah on the top of Mem Zayinam at base, the Gemara says, These two people, the father or the son, are considered to be the Nizak, the person who owns the property, the Bailim. So then, we saw this in the Mishnah there. We didn't see it together, but if, in yesterday's blood, it highlighted the fact that there's a machlokas between the Tanakhama and Rebbe. According to Rebbe Mechaev and Rebbe, according to the Tanakhama, it's Mechaev, and according to Rebbe, it had a different din. Says the, the Gemara of Amai, why would there be a punishment of Kofir in this case? Kofir only applies by a Muad. And here says the Gemara, Hatamhu, we're dealing with a docile animal. There's no reason why we should be paying Kofir. Kofir is a din that's limited to a Muad. 
Says the Gemara, Amara b'muad lipol al bnei adam beboros askinan. We have an animal that has a unique proclivity that whenever it sees a person inside a pit, it jumps on it and kills it. That's what the animal's muad for. Let's read it again. B'muad lipol, the animal is muad to fall al bnei adam beboros askinan. Very unique type of behavior. Says the Gemara, Ihachi. If it's true that a docile animal would have done that even one time, then the animal should have been killed. Bar katolahu. An animal that's a time that kills, we know the animal's put to death. So how could we have a case scenario where this animal even develops the pattern of killing three times? Any one time the animal kills, it should be killed itself. So therefore, this can't be the case that we're dealing with in our Mishnah. Because in our Mishnah, the animal that's a time that killed in the pit, the first time it did that, it gets killed. It says the Gemara, you're right. Here's answer number two. What we're talking about is an animal that became muad by eating a green vegetation on the lip of the boar. But the animal was a bit of a klutz. And every time it got to the edge of the boar, it would slip in. And it killed three times. Now, because in cases like that, the animal really wasn't going after a person at all. It literally slipped. So the Chorah implied from the Gemara that the animal wouldn't be killed, but would be able to build an opportunity, of, uh, would be able to build toward being a Mu'at. So it says the Gemara, that's considered an acceptable answer. Shmuel Amar, Shmuel provides a third answer. We're about a third of the way down on the page, heading to the Mishnah. Shmuel Amar Hamani, who's the author of our Mishnah that depicts this Machlokes Rabbonon and Rebbe? That's Rabbi Yossi Haglilihi. That when our Mishnah says your Chayv Kofer, it only means Chatsi Kofer. And that's Lashitas Rabbi Yossi Haglili. Ula Amar, Ula argues uh, halfway. He agrees in principle to the basic answer of Shmuel. And that is that Ula Amar, yes, it's Rabbi Yossi Haglili. But to Amar Kirib Tarfon, to Amar Karen Bechatzer Hanizak, Nezek, Shalem Mishalem. That according to Tarfon, and we've seen this numerous times throughout the Masechda, that if there's Karen Bechatzer Aniza, Nezek Shalem is paid. And here too, we would extend that din of Nezek Shalem being paid over even to a case of Kofer Hachanami, Kofer Shalem Mishalem. This too would be a case for Kofer Shalem is Mishalem. So the first answer is rejected. The second answer is accepted. And answers three and four are very similar whether or not we say Rabbi Yossi Aglili would hold that Kofer in our Mishnah and Memzayin Umedbeis would be considered Chatsi Kofer or Kofer Shalim. Nevertheless, we have our case scenario. Says the Gemara, I understand according to Ula's answer, um, and Ula had told us that we're dealing with Rabbi Tarfon, and there's Karen B'chatzer Hanizak, Hainu Dekatani, Haya Aviv O Imo O Beno I understand that case because that case had to be Bechatzer Hanizak. And the father or the son is assumed to own that piece of property. That's why the case in our Mishnah had to specifically refer to that. But according to the answer of Shmuel, who said that we're only dealing with Chatzi Kofer, doesn't have to be the father. It could be any case scenario, even if it's not the Nizak. Says the Gemara, you're right. You're right. It could have been anybody else. It was just Orcha de Milsaktani. It just happened to be that that's what was going on. That was what people were talking about. But Lav Dafka, that it actually had to be the father or a son. That brings us to the next uh, two dots where 
halfway down on Memchas and the Beis. Let's continue. We pointed out that there's a machlokas on this line between the Tanakhama and Rebbe. And here the Gemara says, Itmar Rav, uh, Itmar, Rav Omar, Hilchasak Tanakhama. According to Rav, we hold like the Tanakhama, Ushmul Amar Hilchasak Rebbe, and Shmuel says we hold like the opinion of Rebbe. Just to review the Shitas, you can look back on the top of Mem Zayin and Mitbez and see the case is four lines down of Haya Avivo Obenom, Vestocho Meshalim Esakofer, Vimhichnis Birshuz Baal Hachatzer Chayev, Rebbe Omer Bechulan Eino Chayev Acha Kibel Alav Lishmor. So Rebbe has a very stringent line about uh, being Chayev and that you won't be Chayev until you accept the Shmira. That's their Machlokas. And our Gemara Rav sides with the Tanakama, Ushmol Amar Hilchasaki Rebbe. And now the Gemara is going to present a Brisa that seemingly has an internal stira, unclear as to who the Brisa supports. Does it support the Rabban on the Tanakama, or does it support Rebbe? Let's take a look at the Brisa and see. It's a short Brisa, jam-packed, and we'll have to unpack it. Tanu Rabbanon. If a man says, Knos Shorcha Vishamro, yes, you, uh, the outsider, can come into my property, just please watch your animal. So I'm Ruvain, you're Shimon, Shimon, Come into the Rishos of Ruven. Come into my Rishos, but please watch your animals so that nothing happens. And then Hizik Chayev, Huzak Patr. If Hizik, if the animal damages, then Chayev. But if Huzak, if the animal gets damaged, then Patr. All of this makes sense. Why should he be Hizik Chayev? Because I, you can come into my property, but you have to take a Chayev for your animal. Fine. What if the safe of the Brisa says the language of, of me when I let your animal in is a little bit different? What if I say, you can bring your animal into my property, but don't you worry about any damages. I'll watch your animal. All is good. Nothing to worry about. So to this, the Gemara says uh, in the Brisa, that if the animal gets damaged, but he's a putter, and that makes perfect sense as well. Because if I, as the Balabais, am going to take a for your animal, so that I can't then say, you're held accountable if your animal damages. I took achrayas for your animal, and therefore hizik would be high. But the Gemara points out that there's a, an implication of the Resha and an implication of the Sefa that don't align with one another. And let's take this apart. These are multi-step processes on both sides to get to the point that we need to get to. So let's hold cup to figure this out. Says the Gemara, Hagufakasha, we're two-thirds of the way down. Amris, you said in the Resha, you said that if I, Ruvain, allow your animal into my property, but only as long as you, Shimon, watch your own animal, we said, the reason why you would be held accountable, you who are visiting my property, when your animal damages, is because because Ruvain, I, the owner, said to you, you need to watch your animal. There, the owner of the shore is held accountable, but that has nothing to do with me. I told you to watch your animal. What does that teach us? Hastama, with no warning at all, what would that have taught me? The fact that the Balchatzer had to say you need to watch your animal implies that had he said nothing, that I, the Balchatzer, would be held accountable. And this teaches us the deepest point of this shita. We assume, according to the Reisha, from Diuk upon Diuk, we assume that if you come into my property and I don't specifically tell you to watch your animal, that I, the homeowner, not you, the animal owner, 
but I, the homeowner, you're visiting, I let you in. That means I take a for the damages that your animal does. That's the ratio. But a seifa, the exact opposite is inferred from the case of the seifa. If I said, if I said you can bring your animal in and I, the Baal Chatzar, will watch it, then the exact opposite takes place. Who's Akhaev? He's Potter. It's he's Potter because I took uh, I took responsibility. So if your animal damages me or my animal, I can't hold you accountable. I said, the reason why this is that way is because I said to you, I take responsibility for your animal. That's why I, the owner of the chatzar, am held, held accountable for your animal's damage and not you, the balashor, because I said, oh, what's the deal here? Astama. If I if you I didn't say anything to you, if I didn't say Vani Ashmirenu, what would that have implied? Would have implied The fact that the Balashor said Balachatzer said, the fact that the Balachatzer said Vani Ashmirenu means that he was taking extra responsibility. But had he said nothing, says the Gemara, then Bistam, we would have assumed that the burden was on the Balashor. And if that's true, um, then we have a problem. Because if Chay Bal Ashor Pater Bal Chatzer the Bistam Alom Mekabel Alein Tirusa, that in general the Bal Shor would not be Mekabel Rishus, so then that means that the Reisha and the Seifa are not authored by the same people. A son, the Rebbe, the Amar Achi Mekabel Alein Tirusa Balabais Lishmor. That latter part of the Mishnah of the Brisa, I should say, seems to imply like Rebbe. So that means Reisha Rabbonon the Seifa Rebbe. This short Brisa. That we just learned of Kenos Shorch of the Shamro or Kenos Shorch of Aniashmirenu, that Brysa is a stira mineube, at least the implications of them are. So, how can it be that it, the Reisha is the Rabbanon and the Seifa is Rebbe? So, the Gemara provides a handful of answers over here. Answer number one Amar Rebelazar, Tavra. You're 100% right. Tavra from the language of Shavur, Taf and Shin are interchangeable. The Brysa is broken, there's something wrong with it. Whoever authored the first part of the Brisa, in fact, did not author the second part of the Brisa. But Rava takes a, a vastly different approach, as does the Sheet of Rav Papa. Rava Amar, really kula Rabbanani. All of this is the Rabbanan. And I did the Nasi, Reisha Shamrom, Tana Seifa, Vani He says that because the Reisha said one way, we wanted the Seifa to say a contrasting way. Because that way there's a flip-flopping. It makes it a little easier to remember this case. Yes, this case, no. But really, everything is like the Rabbanon. And we can't make the inference from the Seifa like the Gemara posed. Rav Papa does the exact opposite. Rav Papa Amar, Kula Rebihi. Really, the whole Brisa, where part number one is Knos Shorcha Veshamro, and part number two is Knos Shorcha Veniashmirenu, is all Rebi, the final Shita in our Mishnah and Memzayim. And Tana Seifa Kula Rebihi is Savar Lakir of Tarfon, but Rebbe holds like Rebbe Tarfon to Amar Karen Bechatzer Anizak Nezek Shalim Eshalim that he holds that if there's damage Bechatzer Anizak that you have to pay a Nezek Shalim, and if that's true, says the Gemara Hilkach Amar Le Shamro Lo Makni Le Bemakom Chatzer Lo Makni Le Makom Bechatzer. When he says Shamro, what he's saying is that. When you bring your animal into my property, he has no rental space in my property. The animal is completely yours. Your animal is in my chater. 
And really, it doesn't have any place there. And what if Lo Amar Le Shamro? What if he didn't say that? If he didn't say, if I, when I welcomed you into my yard with your animal, if I didn't say to you, come into my yard, but you have to watch your animal, so then really I am giving you real estate in my yard. Then, it's as though I've given you an acquisition of some space in my field. And therefore, and therefore, it's as though gorgeous, it's as though we're shutvin now, because I gave you a spot. And this is how Rav Papa understands it. And that's why the din is the way that it is. And maybe, perhaps, in this brisa there is no stira. So let's just summarize this last piece. We had spoken about in our mission on Mem Zayin and Bez Machlokas Rebbe and the Rabbanon. We have a brisa over here where it says Kenos Shorcha Veshamro that the din would be that the responsibility would be on the Balashor. But if the Balabai said Kenos Shorcha Veaniyashmerenu, then the burden of responsibility would be on me, the owner of the house. Says the Gemara, the problem is that the Diyukim of the Resha and the Seifa implied that the Resha is the Rabbanon and the Seifa is Rebbe. And we had three answers. We have the answer of Tavra. We have the answer that really our Mishnah is completely like the Rabbanon. And this Mechudash answer that, uh, that uh, the Bryce is really completely Rebbe. And all we're talking about is whether or not in my comments, I've given you halachic access to the real estate in my uh, in my yard. We'll stop right here at the Mishnah on the bottom of Memches and the Beis. Emir Tzashem will pick up tomorrow. I'll let you know if it's going to be in person or in Zoom. I very much hope it's in person. Wishing you all a beautiful night.